0: Good morning, we are studying the book of Matthew and we are in a part of Matthew that is called the Sermon on the Mount, it's the section where Jesus uh, is preaching and telling those who are listening about his kingdom, the things that are uh, um, relevant to his kingdom and also things that are to come. So we'll look at this passage in a minute. It is Matthew chapter 7 if you want to turn there. And then we'll look at the passage in just a minute. So um, if you could put up the the picture for a second here. This is a live stream, I think. Is that right? Yeah, there we go. So how many of you have seen this map uh, over the last few weeks? This is a live stream. capture of the uh, impact of the coronavirus. Um, at nine o'clock this morning, there were a reported 78,838 people affected by what is called now called COVID-19. If you notice, this is a live stream, and it is showing that that number has gone up already by about 80, um, 80 people in the last Couple of hours. Uh, the report at nine for deaths. So the white number up there, 2467, was the same as this morning at nine o'clock. But it went up, um, I think, about 10 uh, from 11 o'clock last night. And so the report includes. You can still you can see that the main um, epicenter of this viral outbreak is in uh, mainland China. And uh, yet we know from news reports that it has begun to spread uh, throughout the world. And health officials will declare that it is, in fact, a pandemic. They don't like using that word right now for uh, causing fear, Um, but technically that is what it is. What do we know about the virus? Well, we know that the the, um, initial outbreak occurred in late December 2019 in the in the town of Wuhan China uh, during the first three weeks of January hundreds of new cases of pneumonia were reported and they didn't quite have a handle on what it was and finally they discovered it was a new virus that had infected these people and they began to do massive, Quarantines uh, not only of a city, but ultimately, I believe today there are cities quarantined. The, the population that is quarantined currently is about one and a half times the entire population of Canada. So it's a significant uh, amount of quarantine. Um, but it continues to spread. Some countries banned Chinese travelers. Um, but some who were already infected traveled before they knew they had the virus to other countries, and some have spread it uh, within localized areas in other countries. Um, There are reports of the virus in at least 31, according to this chart, 31 additional countries at this time, but not every country is reporting. North Korea, for example, claims that they have zero cases, and I don't believe that for a minute. One especially troubling event, if you've been following this story, occurred with a a cruise ship called the Diamond Princess that set out on a two-week journey from Japan, and there were 2,666 people aboard, besides the crew, um, who went out for a two-week cruise adventure. Uh, they as they traveled, one of the passengers disembarked in um, I think it was uh, Hong Kong, that's right, yeah, in Hong Kong, and began to feel sick and they discovered that this person had the COVID-19 virus, the coronavirus. They reported back to the ship, they traced back where this person had been, they reported back to the ship that they had had a passenger who had the coronavirus and uh, they uh, needed to find out whether it had spread among the passengers aboard the ship. So the ship was to dock in Yokohama, Japan, and uh, the Japanese government said that they are not to get off the ship because we don't want this spread here in the country, And so they're all going to remain in quarantine on the ship. And when I heard that originally, I said, that is a disaster waiting to happen. That is ridiculous. But that's what they did. So I'm not in charge, and they wouldn't have listened to me anyway. And um, all the passengers remained on board. The next report I heard was that there were five people who were infected aboard the ship. And then ten were uh, additional passengers were found to have the virus. They were then quarantined on board the ship so it wouldn't spread. But then it was reported that 41 had it. And the longer they remained together on the ship, the more people who came down or who were infected. And soon the total rose to 542. As of last night, now I can't see the the diagram up there, but as of last night, the total number infected on the ship were 634 of the 2,666 passengers. There are now two confirmed deaths, um, from this um, chip. And only one person has recovered. I want to say this to you. Beware of the coronavirus. Okay, It is deadly. It is infectious. And beware of the coronavirus. There are now nearly 2,500, so 2,467 confirmed deaths worldwide. Now, at the same time, Uh, As the world is facing this threat of this virus that they really don't know an awful lot about, and uh, they they certainly don't have a cure for it, Uh, the Center for Disease Control estimates that the 2019-2020 flu activity has infected at least 29 million million people in the U.S. alone, and at least 16,000 deaths from the flu. According to the website Health, globally, the World Health Organization estimates that the flu kills between 290,000 and 650,000 people per year. So there's actually an even greater threat from the the seasonal flu, but we have become so accustomed to it, so familiar with the flu, that we almost anticipate that we are going to get it each year, unless we take a shot, and even then it's only a you know, a slight chance that you'll miss getting the flu. Uh, but we've become so familiarized with the flu that we don't, it's not even a, a top story anymore. Now, if this were the year 1918, things would be different. Because the flu, sometimes it's affectionately known as the Spanish flu, wiped out somewhere between 50 and 100 million people on the planet. Uh, as it spread, it was a very uh, virulent year, and there was a lot of travel from soldiers going back home after the war, and it spread very, very quickly. So I would say to you also, beware of the flu. I want to ask you something. I, I find this absolutely incredible. Don't you? Don't you find it incredible that a microscopic virus? can bring down a 250-pound man, lay him flat for a week, and snuff out his life by the end of the week. That can happen. A microscopic virus. And so we say, beware of coronavirus, beware of the flu, but you have no idea who has it. Unless they tell you and unless you can see the symptoms, and especially with the coronavirus, apparently you can have it for two weeks and not even know you have it and spread it to others. Be careful of these viruses. But you say, well, who has it? I don't know. Who knows who might infect you? As, um, but we keep saying, beware of these things. So now you say, well, what does this have to do with our Bible story today? I didn't remember reading about coronavirus or the flu in the Bible, and it's not there. So let's take a look at our passage this morning in Matthew 7, 15. Jesus is speaking and he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. And so Jesus gives a warning at the beginning of this passage, and he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are Raven, they are ravenous wolves. There is something far more deadly than the coronavirus and the uh, seasonal flu. There is something far more devastating than these things, and that is false prophets. For not only will they have an impact or may they have an impact in, for your life, but being infected by them, you may end up in hell For all eternity. That's how serious this warning is. This is not simply about you might get the flu and recover. This is about if you imbibe in false teaching, if you listen to false teachers or false prophets, you may yourself end up in eternity in hell. Serious, serious warning. Beware of false prophets. The Bible warns against false prophets and false teachers. A false prophet is one who proclaims or says he is proclaiming God's word, but he is not. A false teacher is one who says he is teaching God's word, but he is not. Most false prophets and most false teachers have a very similar theme. And that is that you can have your sins forgiven And you can be assured of going to heaven if you simply live a good enough life. If you do enough good things, God will weigh your good against your bad. And that's what gives you the key to heaven. That is absolutely false. Absolutely false. And if you believe that, you have been deceived by false teachers who are leading you astray. Beware of false prophets. Beware of false teachers. This is what the Jehovah's Witnesses teach. This is what Mormonism teaches. This is what every cult in our world teaches. By being good, you get to heaven. False. This is what the Catholic Church teaches. This is the message they proclaim on the broad road that leads to destruction. But this is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible is the narrow road that we looked at last week that leads to life, salvation, and heaven. Jesus did not say all religious roads lead to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no man comes to the Father except through me. And the Bible teaches that we are not saved by doing enough good works, but we are saved instead. Listen to what the Bible says. Knowing that a man is not justified, a man is not declared righteous before God by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, in other words, for by trying to do good things, no flesh will be justified in his sight. You cannot get to heaven on your own good works. Jesus says, beware of false prophets. Why? Because they will deceive you. That is their purpose. Their purpose is to trick you into believing something that is false and to deceive you from the truth. They're there to devour you. In fact, he even says that in this passage. They come wearing flowing robes. They come wearing a backwards collar. They come with a shiny face and, and a manic, manicured hands and a smiley uh, uh, face full of teeth. And They are recognized as preachers and teachers and pastors and priests and rabbis or popes or some other religious figure. They appear as gentle as lambs, caring as shepherds and yet they are infected with the doctrine of demons and will spread their disease to you if you are not careful. You say, well, how do you know? Beware of false prophets, Jesus said. Beware of false prophets. Just like I may not be able to tell one person from another who has the coronavirus, sometimes when you hear these preachers or see these preachers, you go, you know, it sounds true. There's just something that's not quite right. Okay, beware. Of false teachers. The warning actually is not new. This is a warning that God gave to his people in the Old Testament. I'm going to read you a passage from Deuteronomy chapter 13. It says If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, And the sign or wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you saying, let us go after other gods which you have not known and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him. And keep his commandments and obey his voice and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk so you shall put away the evil from your midst. And so even in Israel's early history, God spoke to them and warned them essentially what Jesus is doing here, beware of false prophets. Jesus this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry and at the beginning of his ministry he says, beware of false prophets. At the end of his ministry, Jesus warned his disciples and he spoke about conditions that would exist right before his second coming. So we are waiting for his second coming. And he told his disciples that there would be signs, there would be wars, there would be rumors of wars, earthquakes in many places, famines, pestilences, and so on. But listen to what else he says. In fact, this is at the beginning of that list, which we normally ignore and go right down to the things that like, you know, earthquakes, you know, troubles and all that sort of stuff. But at the very beginning of his list, he says this, now as he sat on the mount of olives the disciples <clears throat> came to him privately saying tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age and Jesus answered and said to them take heed that no one deceives you okay deception started in the garden of eden with satan lying to adam and eve and they believed the lie they took the fruit and they plunged the world into sin Let no one deceive you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand." So, one of the major signs of the soon coming of Jesus Christ is the significant increase in the rise of false teachers deceiving people throughout the world. It is more than an epidemic, it is a pandemic. It is all over the globe. People are deceiving, lying to people about the, um, the truth. Paul, uh, the, the Apostle Paul, also warned the church at Rome, he said this, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and avoid them. So he's teaching the church to avoid false teachers. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple." Paul also warned the Ephesian elders of the same thing. He said in Acts chapter 20, For I know this, this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, and he's not talking about literal animals, but he's talking about false teachers who are ravenous wolves, savage wolves, who will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, Men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. The warnings are loud. The warnings are clear. Beware of false prophets. Beware of false teachers. They are out to undermine your faith. They are determined to destroy the church. They seek to deceive as many people as they possibly can And they are following in the footsteps of Satan. What are some of the characteristics of the false teachers? Well, first of all, Jesus said, they come to you in sheep's clothing. And so what does that mean? It it means that they come to you with the appearance of being harmless. They, They look just like any one of you. They act in a way that seems so gentle and so calm and so... Uh, collected. They appear to be believers at first, but they are destructive. This may mean that they look like any other sheep, like if we're all considered sheep, they look like any one of us. It's hard to tell them apart from true Christians. But one thing is sure from this, they are clearly accepted by as part of the flock. They're, they're considered to be Christians. And that is what they want. They want to be accepted. They want you to let your guard down. They want you to welcome them into the fold. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Paul warned that savage wolves will come in among you from among your own selves. So, from within churches, from within religious organizations. Uh, one of the things that I learned back in uh, Bible school years ago that, uh, that uh, false teaching was infecting many of the seminaries. And one of the reasons it was affecting that was that, that false teachers thought, why waste our time trying to reach individual believers? Why waste our time trying to, to influence individual pastors? Why not simply go to the seminaries and corrupt the teachers who, who could spread this lie to the whole works of them. And so there was, many of these seminaries were, were turning to uh, false teaching. Simple as that. And so, also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. We have seen this actually in our own church in our early days here at uh, Calvary. One such man became an extreme follower... Of Calvinism. And he gathered people not to Christ, but to himself. And before he was asked to leave the church, he had deceived a number of people, young families, drawing disciples after themselves. The last I heard of him, he bought a farm out in some, I think, Vermont or something like that, and he's living a life of isolation, he and his wife. Drawing to, but they were but they drew people away and uh, they became followers of not just him, but of, of Calvinism. They are ravenous wolves, Jesus said. The word ravenous um, in Greek actually means extortion or robbery. They are predatory and that is one of the things that, that Jesus is talking about here. Not only do they, do they come, They look like they're sheep, or they look like they're clothed with sheep's clothing, like a shepherd might have, but they are actually there because they are predatory in nature. They are looking to take advantage of you. They are like the Jewish scribes and Pharisees of Jesus' day, whose character Jesus said was full of extortion and self indulgence. They are greedy for you and for what you have. They are predators, and if you follow them, you will become victims. I was um, in Canada this week. Um, my dad was honored with a uh, an award for his um, service to the community, to prisons, to children's hospital, and so on, and after the award ceremony, uh, we went over to my sister's house for dinner, and I was telling them that I would be preaching this Sunday. And they said, oh, what's your message on? And I said, false teachers. And I said, hey, I have a question for you. I said, can anyone here, so the whole family is there together. Can anyone here um, think of or remember anyone that you have rubbed shoulders with or been associated with in your life that was a false prophet or a false teacher? And, of course, this led to a very animated conversation at the dinner table And uh, we spoke together about it. One of the names that came up, and you can go ahead and put it on. I I want you to look at this man. How many people recognize who this man is? Don't say it out loud. Okay, don't say it out loud. So, does he look like a predator to you? Does he look like a nice old man? Just a sweet old man, right? Happy face. Smiling, obviously, you know, wrinkled with age, but uh, does he look like a predator? Does he look like a sheep or does he look like a wolf? He's cute, okay. (laughs) One of the names I brought up at the dinner table was a man named Harold Camping. That is Harold Camping. Harold Camping was a false teacher from Oakland. He lived in Alameda, but he had his uh, operations in Oakland. He was the founder and the leader of an organization called Family Radio. Immediately when I raised his name at the dinner table, my niece, who has never been out of Canada, said, oh, I know that name. We study him in college. I said, you do? Yeah. They study him as, as a, um, I forget which class it was that she studies, but, but his name comes up there and They studied him Uh, there. He was a false prophet. He was a false teacher. And he also isolated himself and told his followers and his radio audience that every church in America and around the world was corrupt except him. He alone was the guardian of truth and that everything else was corrupt. He held the only truth there was. His most famous false teaching Um, if you are fairly young or fairly old, you will remember in 2011, he predicted that Jesus was coming back to earth on May 21st, 2011. There were billboards all across the Bay Area like this. In fact, they were all across the nation. As time drew closer, um, he became more adamant about the time, the date, and all the rest of it. And uh, many of you may not know that this was actually not his first prediction. His first prediction was in 1994, and he, he predicted that Jesus would come back on September 6th, 1994. When that false prophecy failed on September 7th, the next day, he uh, changed the date to September 29th, 1994. Then when that failed, he changed it to October 2nd, 1994. Three false prophecies in one year. He had already shown that he was a false prophet and he had and had he lived in Old Testament times, we would have taken him out and we would have stoned him to death. That was the law in the Old Testament. He was a false prophet, yet people still listened. People still gave. People still supported his ministry. Uh, on their radio. They still followed him. And he came into people's homes every single night, uh, teaching the Bible, lying to people about what the Bible said. He was uh, wearing sheep's clothing, but inwardly was a ravenous wolf. Now, remember his picture. He doesn't look like a deceiver, he looks like anybody else. And if you met him in the street, you'd say, Oh, what a kindly old man. But he was a liar and a deceiver. He was a ravenous wolf trying to deceive people and and really, ultimately, take them to hell. Eleven years later, in 2005, Camping came out yet again with a prophecy that the second coming of Christ would be May 21st, 2011. Christ would snatch his believers out of the world, and the world would then go through five months of fire, brimstone, and plagues culminating in October 21st, 2011, with the final complete destruction of the world. Now, people believed him, and they sold their possessions, and they sold their houses, and they sold their land, and they gave millions and millions of dollars to this man and his false teaching campaign. As they got towards the end, they they actually um, vinyl-wrapped motorhomes with something, yeah, there we go, motorhomes like this, and they drove across the country. There's a, I think there's three in that picture. They drove across the country uh, preaching his false doctrine to people and um, talking about the judgment to come. In spite of many godly Christians protesting against this false prophet, he continued on in his lies. When Jesus did not come on May 21st, 2011, Camping came on the radio and said Jesus did come. Jesus did come, not physically, but Jesus came spiritually, and that he actually did, and that he actually would come physically on October. Uh, so, so that was in May, but in October, so he changed his date yet again, is what I'm saying, to the 21st of October 2011. And of course, Jesus didn't come October 21st, 2011. In June, so May, he said he was coming. The next day, he said he came spiritually, but will come physically later in the year. And in June 2011, God smote him with a um, um, stroke that leveled him. He did not die. He lived long enough to see that his prophecy in October 2011 was also false and he lived for two more years and, and finally died from a fall in 2013. I spoke out against him in 1994. I spoke out against him from the years 2005 to 2011. And I said at the time, he is a liar. And you say, well, how could you possibly get up and say something like that? Maybe he has an inside track with the Lord. All you needed was one false prophecy, but I didn't even need that because Jesus said, um, so first of all, let me say this. I do believe Jesus is coming again, and I do believe Jesus is coming soon, but I will never, never set a date for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because the Bible says, uh, Jesus said it in the scripture, but of that day and hour, no one knows. And so if anybody stands up and tells you Jesus is coming on such and such a date, do not believe them and you can and you'll be guaranteed that Jesus is not coming on that day. He is not going to fulfill a false prophecy. Of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Brothers and sisters, we must compare everything we hear. Everything we hear, with what the Bible teaches. This is truth. What comes out of men's, lie, men's mouths are lies. I do not believe what he said then, and of course he was proven to be a liar, a deceiver, a ravenous wolf, a spiritual predator, and a false prophet. But think of the spiritual damage that one man did. He was of his own teaching at ground zero of that false teaching. And just like you saw on the map of the coronavirus, that false teaching spread around the world. His radio broadcasts were translated into dozens and dozens of languages, and it affected people all throughout the world. A spiritual predator. He destroyed the lives of so many people, and it ends in destruction. Yesterday, we uh, traveled back from Vancouver. We got on board. Uh, we were driven down to Bellingham, Washington. In, in Bellingham, they have small planes. This was, so this plane is not the plane. I just use this for illustration. Um, we were on a small uh, prop jet plane, and as we flew up into the sky, our first stop, or only stop, Transfer point was Seattle. So we went from Bellingham. It's about a 45-minute flight to Seattle, Washington. And as we came towards Seattle, all I could see all around me were dark um, clouds, storm clouds. And I said, well, this is going to be fun as you come in on a small prop jet. And as we came down, you could feel the plane uh, making its way towards the airport. And it's, it's falling fairly quickly. You can feel it that we're descending quickly, but we're now in the clouds. And I'm feeling it fall and fall and fall, and I'm going, we are still in the clouds. And it was a very low ceiling, they call it, or very low cloud cover over Seattle. And at the rate we were descending through the clouds, I began to have a very uneasy feeling about this. I knew we were near the ground. We had been descending for a very long and very fast amount of time. I mean, very long as far as uh, length of time, but quickly we were descending, I could feel it. And I was feeling disoriented because I could not see the horizon at all. All I could see were dark clouds all around me. But the pilot kept descending towards the earth. And then finally, at the very last minute, we broke through the clouds and we touched down safely on the Seattle runway. breathed out a sigh of relief. If the pilot had become disoriented, the outcome might have been disastrous. But he was not looking at the storm. He kept his eyes fixed on the instruments that were in front of him. The cockpit instruments were telling him the truth. And by not deviating from the truth... In front of him, he averted disaster and got us safely home. When the clouds of false teaching are swirling all around you, it's easy to become disoriented. This is what we need to keep going back to, the Bible. The Word of God, which is the instrument God gave us to guide us safe home. It is the lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Believe the truth and the truth will set you free. False prophets and false teachers secretly come in among the flock with the intention of destroying the flock. Usually they come with an agenda, and at first they usually deflect attention from themselves. They don't like you to talk to them about who they are, what they're doing, what their life is like. Instead, um they, they really don't want you to know them, but instead they promote a certain preacher, or a certain teacher, or they emphasize a certain doctrine or a certain philosophy. and it sounds so intriguing, and, and gullible people get swept away in, in the course of their conversation. You go, oh, "Oh, yeah, I'd like to follow that teacher too," you know?" And they're def- this is a form of deflection. It's taking attention off themselves. So that you don't know what kind of people they are. If you listen to them, however, it's not long before you find out what they are all about. Jesus said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You listen to somebody long enough, you'll see what's really in their heart. They want you to believe they are super spiritual. Because they follow a certain teacher or doctrinal creed. But if you were really to investigate what their life is like... You would soon find that they are immoral, greedy, deceitful, covetous. But they don't look harmful. They just look like one of us. They look like one of you. They look like a normal person. And so you're not seeing these, you know, what big teeth you have, you know, kind of a thing. It's, it doesn't, they don't look that way. They don't look harmful. They look enthusiastic. They look energetic. And they seem to be on to something new. I remember um, Harry Ironside used to say, if it's new, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. The Bible has remained the same down through the centuries. It's not new, but it is true. And so it is with those who are infected with the coronavirus. They seem to be so energetic and so alive, but... They're infecting as they're going. The World Health Organization says of the coronavirus that common signs of infection include respiratory symptoms, fever, cough, shortness of breath, and breathing difficulties. This is what are the, These are the first symptoms. In more severe cases, infection can cause pneumonia, severe acute respiratory syndrome, kidney failure, and even death. There is one thing that is certain about the virus, and the virus is intent on destruction. That's it. In 2 Peter 2, it says this, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. Many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. So how can we tell who are the false prophets and false teachers? Well, first of all, they are known by what they teach. They take the scripture and they twist it or they tear out things from the Scripture, or they add things to the Scripture. But in in any case, they are twisting and teaching heresies and denying the very Lord who bought them. Years ago, I was on a board, um, a missionary board, uh, an organization, and I uncovered the fact that there was a man on the board who was a false teacher. And uh, after one of the board meetings one night, he he left the meeting quickly and I ran out after him into the dark night and I I stopped, I said, Alan, his name was Alan, we'll go any further name, but Alan, can I talk to you for a minute? He said, what do you want to talk to me about? I said, you know, I said, I'm concerned about something. I was preaching at your church um, some months ago and in the middle of my message, when I, I said that Jesus is the Messiah. And I said, you interrupted the message and you said to me, what do you mean by that? And so I told you and I told the audience that Jesus is the Messiah. It means literally that Jesus is in fact the sent one, the one promised by God, that he is in fact God. And you said to me, oh, I thought you believed that. But the way you said it indicated to me that you don't believe that. So I want to ask you, person to person, I'm not trying to confront you in front of anybody else, just you and me together, person to person, who do you believe Jesus Christ is? And he gave me some really lame answer, and I said, okay, Alan, I need to ask you maybe more specifically, is Jesus Christ God? And he threw up his arms and started flailing them in the sky. And he screamed out, no, Jesus is not God. And he went running down the street, literally running down the street, screaming, he's not God, he's not God, he's not God. I said, wow. (laughs) So I went back into the meeting, the rest of the board members were still there. And I said, we have a problem. We have a man on our board, our missions board, who does not even believe that Jesus is God. He denies the Lord who bought him. He denies who Jesus is. And uh, I said, it, I've already confronted him directly. I think it's appropriate for the board of directors to go and visit him so that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, everything needs to be established. And so they did that, and they had him removed from the board. And you would think, okay, well, the man would go away in shame. He would, he would confess his sins, and he would stop doing, saying anything. But he didn't. This just motivated him to speak this way all the more. And so not only did he send a letter to every single one of the men on the board of his doctrinal position and trying to prove that Jesus is not God, but he then began to publish and print and distribute Tracts and books along that line, and he sent it to every assembly in the Bay Area. And trying to, he got mailing lists of individuals within the uh, the churches and began to corrupt them with this doctrine as well. False prophets cannot produce anything but bad fruit. So, Jesus said, "They are known by their fruit." And so the rest of the section of this passage deals with fruit. Um, And it says for us to look at their fruit. As you look at that grouping of apples, at one time, that one that's brown looked like good fruit. You thought it was just like the rest of them. But it's not. And it became obvious Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Eventually, it will become obvious who the false prophets are and false teachers are. It may take some time, but the more they speak and the more you watch their lives, you will be able to see just who they are. Even so, Jesus said, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Jesus is continuing his illustration of farming, gardening, and uh, you know when you look back at Genesis chapter one, we see how God made the the uh, plants, and it says this. Then God said, "Let the earth spring forth, or bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit, according." to its kind whose seed is in itself on the earth and it was so and the earth brought forth grass the herb that yields seed according to its kind and the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind and God saw that it was good he does this in nature that a tree that is an apple tree will always bear apples A tree that is a peach tree will always bear peaches. There's no crossover when it comes to um, fruit. They will bear according to its kind. And Jesus is using this as an illustration and he's saying there are two trees. There's a false teacher tree and a true teacher tree. And what is gonna come out of them eventually is fruit. Both of them will have fruit and it will be according to its own kind. And the fruit that you see from a false teacher will be bad fruit. And a, and a fruit that you see from a good teacher will be good fruit. The bad fruit will be destructive, poisonous, noxious fruit. Think of a man like Jim Jones. How many remember that name? People's Temple. He was a deceiver, and he, was, and he deceived thousands of people. And in the end, 909 people drank the poison Kool-Aid, and they died in Guyana, um, Jonestown, Guyana, believing they were headed for paradise, believing they were in utopia. Destructive heresies abound today with religions encouraging members to commit atrocities, to be suicide bombers, to fly planes into office towers, and with um, the promise of heaven and endless virgins. And I will say this, that to me, the largest cult in the world today is the Catholic Church. Headed by one who calls himself Pope, Father. He lies to his people, telling them that they can find salvation, that they can find favor with God as long as they follow this list of good works. And I'm going to condense it. They must believe, they must be baptized, they must be loyal to the Catholic Church, they must love God, they must love their neighbor, they must keep all of the Ten Commandments. They must receive the sacraments, especially Holy Communion. They must continue to pray, they must continue doing good works, and they must die in a state of grace. That's the condensed version. Their way of salvation is all about what can I do to earn my way to heaven. But they can never know for sure because they are flying through the clouds without landing instruments. But the truth of God's word is this. And I will quote exactly what it says. For by grace you have been saved. What is grace? That means God's undeserved favor. You don't earn salvation. God grants it to you in an undeserved way. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. A jailer who uh, had prisoners in prison, one night at midnight there was an earthquake, and the prison doors opened wide, and he knew he was responsible for all the prisoners and thought they were all going to escape. And he was afraid for his life because his life under the Roman government would be taken for the loss of the prisoners. And he brought out Paul and Silas and said to them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Jesus finishes this section by saying, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. And I want to ask you this morning, if you believe the truth of God's word and you trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, or have you been deceived? Have you been deceived by religion? Have you been deceived by false teachers? Have you been deceived by false prophets who try to teach another way? But as we looked at last week, that way is the broad road that leads to destruction. There is only one way to heaven, and that is through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Don't believe the false teachers. They are on the broad road that leads to destruction. Do not go with them. They are liars and deceivers. Do not believe them. They are predators. Do not be fooled by them. They are not welcome in our lives. They are not welcome in our church. Do not receive them. If you think you might be deceived, come talk to us today and let us show you the truth of God's word and how you might know for certain that your sins are forgiven and you're on your way to heaven. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for the words of the Lord Jesus Christ who spoke this warning to us. Lord, far more deadly uh, is this topic than the coronavirus or the flu. We think of the lives and the eternity of men and women who have been deceived by false teachers, by false prophets. We pray, Lord, that you would shine the truth of your word into the hearts of each one who's here today and pray, Lord, that you might save all in Jesus' name. Amen.